would normally do um, back home, uh, perhaps all through the month of December, and I'll have a Christmas series that I'll preach on, and this is one of them that I, um, that I will be preaching when I go back home. This is, this is an addition um, to one of those, and I want to share it with you here tonight, and uh, hope that you'll be blessed. And it really talks about preparing, uh, preparing to meet our king. Preparing to meet our king. We just sang a beautiful song about all that we ever needed, he has provided. And uh, how fitting and timeless that song is because as we celebrate this season, this is the most precious gift that we, that God could have ever given to us. The gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Let us never forget that. The best and most precious gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. Preparing to meet our king. There are a few thoughts that crossed my mind as I read in the Gospels concerning the birth of Jesus Christ and how it all uh, kind of came together. And these are some things that I asked myself and I'll uh, share them with you tonight. And so we'll examine this together. Who were the ones that actually knew of his coming? Who were the ones who knew about Jesus' coming? And what did they do in preparation to receive him? And how can we prepare uh, to commemorate his coming? What is our response to the good news of Jesus Christ? What is our response? Who are the ones who knew? We have in the Gospels, it is recorded in the book of Isaiah. Over 700 years before it had happened, it was prophesied. In the Gospel of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and verse 7, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Who knew? The prophet Isaiah knew. And he prophesied that this was going to happen. Long before Isaiah even prophesied that this was going to happen, we have it recorded in Genesis that it was going to happen. Lots of people know things but lots of people respond differently to the same thing as believers how are we responding to the good news of Jesus Christ how are we responding to the news that a savior is going to be born how do we respond to that what do we do with that kind of information do we just tread lightly on it or we respond in a manner that 
says that we are grateful. Well, Zacharias and Elizabeth knew of something. We have it re recorded in the scriptures that they knew. We are told in the scripture in Luke, the first chapter, that, and in the second, that we know Zachariah ministered in the temple. And we know Elizabeth was his wife. From the accounts of the scripture, it seems as if Zachariah was praying for a child. Because when the angel visited him, the angel announced to him that I am here to answer your prayers. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a child. I thought differently for, my, uh, for a while, wondered about some things as I put the, whole, the, the, the entire uh, picture before me. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, the scripture says that Elizabeth had a reproach. Her reproach was is that she could not bear any children. But then I asked myself the question, having read the entire passage, did she really have a reproach? The reason I say that is because we will see that it seemed to me, rather, that Elizabeth was actually waiting on the arrival of Jesus Christ before she could have her child. In the grand scheme of things, that is how I choose to look at it. But when, when, because we are limited in time and we don't know what's beyond the door outside, we seem to have a different view of what is going on. But when we step back and have a look at the grand scheme of things, it seemed to me, not that she couldn't bear a child, but she just had to wait on God's time. And I thought to myself, oh, there are some things that I just need to wait on God's time. It's not that they're not going to happen. You see, in the moment, it seems as if it's not going to happen. It seems as if you're disqualified. It seems as if you've been written off, if you will. Not only by yourself, because a condition like this is a very public one. Because it's not only you alone who knows that. Society puts enough pressure on us. When it comes to those things. By the time you turn um, into a young adult um, life, uh, people start asking you, well, you know, when are you going to, um, when are you going to this? When are you going to that? When, when, all right, when are you going to get married? And by the time soon after you, you're married, well, when are you going to have children? And they ask you these kinds of questions as if you alone had control of all of it. And we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves sometimes, on each other, by asking some of those questions. Because we do not know what that, the person we are asking is going through and what they're dealing with. And so I thought Elizabeth, she too must have thought. As a matter of fact, we see in Zachariah's response, how can this be? How can this be? I'm an old man. And so is my wife. Obviously, he didn't meet Abraham and Sarah. If he had, perhaps he would not have asked that question. <laughs> but I see it 
in a different light. Not that she was barren, but that she was waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ himself to put in his arrival. To begin to put in his arrival. And so Elizabeth reproach, I don't really see it as a reproach. What you're going through right now that you may say is a reproach may not necessarily be a reproach. The scripture tells us in his time, he makes all things very beautiful. We've got to learn to wait on God's time. The waiting time is not always easy. Those are difficult times. Those are hard times. But from my own experience, not that it's easy when my turn comes around to wait either. Can I get an amen? Everybody here likes to wait. I don't sometimes. I wish. As a matter of fact, I would normally tell church back home, I don't like to be late for church. And the reason why, you know, there are several reasons, but one of those that are at the top of my list is that I don't want, I have this idea in my head. Not that it's, you know, just my thing. I don't want God to be late for me. Because if I think about that accident that was about to happen and if God is late, then I'm a, I'm a goner. But he's never late. So I honor him by being on time. Could it be that that was the case with Zachariah and Elizabeth? That they were indeed waiting on God for his manifest presence to fill their lives, to fill their situation. It is amazing when we consider how God, how God works. It's amazing. The reproach became an opportunity. When we have a reproach, do we look and see what it is used for? Do we step back and see what God is doing? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to deal with this? And so Elizabeth, their response, how do we respond? Zachariah gave us, and it reminds me of myself sometimes because we're the ones ministering in the courts of the Lord and sometimes when we are hit by a particular situation, our response doesn't really say much of ourselves. And I imagine Zachariah going about, the Bible says it was his time to administer as the, uh, the priest. And as he was going about doing what he was doing, the angel of the Lord showed up and he became fearful. And I thought for a moment, wow, this happened in the courts of the Lord. We would expect that the presence of God would show up. And we would expect not to be fearful when the presence of God is announced. But yet still, we are always overwhelmed by the presence of God. And he became fearful. The angel announced to him not to be afraid. And begin to delve into why he was there. Zacharias 
response to the presence of the angel and the announcement was one of disbelief. He didn't think it could have happened. And as a result, we all know that he became mute. What a redoubting. We can blame Zacharias. We can be hard on him. But when we come and we hear the good news and we hear the word of faith, do we still harbor doubt and unbelief? say, nah, that's too big, nah, he doesn't know what he's talking about, nah. What do we doubt when we hear these kinds of news? Good news. Good news. The scripture says, and Zachariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Verse 18. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel, who stand in the presence of God. And it went on and on. His response was one of doubt. We are approaching the Christmas day celebration where we will observe the birth. Not that we are saying by any means that he was born on the 25th of December. How do we respond? That was Zachariah's response. There are some other people who know. Let's take, for instance, Mary. Mary knew in Luke. Right after Zacharias's encounter, up came Mary's. The angel of the Lord. Suddenly, Mary was doing her daily chores. And that's a good point for us to recognize that the presence of God is not limited to the church building. At first, Zachariah had his encounter in the church. And here comes Mary with her encounter in her home. We can have our encounters at home. We can have our encounters going back home in the car. We can have our encounters in the marketplace. There is no boundary to where the presence of God is. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says, where can I run from your presence? Where can I go and not find you there? He is everywhere. Mary, she had her encounter. Mary had this painful but yet privileged position to be both the mother and then to be the mother of our Savior. Mother of a child, but yet still more profound than that. Mother of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Mary was present both at her son's birth, of course. She was also present at his crucifixion. She had that privileged but yet still painful position. Mary's response to the angel's announcement was somewhat different though. Probably put Zacharias to shame. Being the priest and all. But Mary's response, she queried, 
the, 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 the biological nature of how this was going to happen. And once she got that resolve, her answer was, be it unto me. Just do what you want, Lord. I am open. I am available. Use me. I am honored. How many of us would like to respond like that? I want to respond like that. As even as I remind myself of that, that wasn't an easy thing. Because right after Mary, we see here comes Joseph. And the Bible says that here, you know, they were, she was exposed to be married to Joseph. Had some kind of an engagement agreement going on and the promise of marriage. And here comes Joseph. And I wondered about Joseph. Oh, Joseph. I thought for a moment, perhaps, if I were in that position, I would have done the same thing. The Bible says, though, that Joseph, being an honorable man, he sought to, to do this thing, put her away discreetly. And not cause her embarrassment and shame, because here is this girl. He knew he had not touched her. Up until this time, brethren, there was nothing about an immaculate conception. There was nothing about a virgin's birth. So the whole concept was mind-blowing. But the Lord met with Joseph. Joseph and told him, you cannot do what you're contemplating doing. As a matter of fact, you will have to name him. That's like almost rubbing salt in the wound. You have to name him Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. How about that for a responsibility? That you had nothing to do with. <laughs> you had to give him his name. You had to raise him. You have to be responsible. It's not easy. This is my gift to you. But this gift has a cost. This gift has a cost. So Mary knew. But her response was one that should represent our response also. The scripture says that while he was thinking to put her away, the angel met with him. And sometimes when we are going through what we are going through, we need a visitation too. We need our visitation too. To turn our hearts in the way that only God can turn our hearts. To give us direction only how God can give us direction. I remember coming on from that a little bit. I didn't plan to talk about this, but I'm talking about how God and only God can change our minds from when we are uh, our intellect wants to overrule. And I don't know if you, I'm sure you would have had those opportunities, those moments where our intellect was just you know, guiding us and 
God wanted to move beyond our intellect. I remember one afternoon I, I went home from work and I had an old car. You could have, uh, you, everyone heard me before they saw me. And um, I drove into the, the gate and I parked on the road because I didn't have uh, the home I was renting, didn't have a parking for a car. So I parked on the road. And I thought to myself, there was a shop right there, right next door to the house I lived at. And I said, well, I'm tired. And I should go to the shop and get my bread and then go into the yard. And then I, don't, I wouldn't have to come back out for the rest of the evening. And uh, that seemed like a very simple decision at the time. And for some strange reason, my legs couldn't move because my intentions were to go to the shop and then go home. And I tried to move and as if I had no control over my body at that time. I finally yield to who I later know realized that that was the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I went home, and while I was going in the passageway, I remembered protesting to the Lord. This doesn't make any sense. Why do I need to go inside just to come back outside to go to the shop? I am right here. I went, and as I went up the stairs, and as I turned the key, it was as if I was now living in a war zone because gunshots rang out loud for over five minutes. All I did was drop to the floor, not knowing what was going on because it felt as if it was right where I'm at. It was right where I'm at. It was taking place in the shop that I was intending on going. The people that got, got killed that day were my former neighbors. And I then began to realize God had just saved my life again. Because had I gone into that shop, I would have been standing up talking to them. And I would have just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I only say that to remind us that we need, we must make room for the leading of the Holy Spirit. We must make room. Sometimes it will override our intellect and it wants to override because the decision sometimes doesn't seem to make any sense just like my simple decision to not go by bread but to go inside Joseph had that moment he wanted to do something different from what God had intended for him to do and it is only God who can turn our minds sometimes 
because we are fixed on doing what we want to do. But what we want to do is not necessarily what God wants. <laughs> so I give God thanks. I give God thanks for saving my life that day yet another time. Yet another time. What was Joseph's response after his encounter with the angel? We are talking about the various people and their responses to this good news of Jesus Christ. For Joseph, it was bad news at first. But in, in the end, he had come to terms with what was happening. The best side to be on is on the side with Jesus. The best side to be on is on the side with Jesus. I preached a message a long time ago, and I always like to remind myself, in the ark, it must have been smelly. In the ark, it must have been stink. But I can guarantee you that was the best place to be at that time and in that day. All kinds of uh, things may not have been working, but that was the best place to be. That was the safest place to be. Sometimes where we are, where we are at doesn't seem the most comfortable. But that's not what it's about. It's about what God is doing. It's about what the process that God is working us through. It's about the place that God is taking us. So it's the best place to be is on the side where Jesus is. There was a, in, in passing, I remember, uh, I think it was Joshua, and the angel appeared unto him. One of the first things he asked, are, are thou for us or art thou against us? That's all I need to know. You get the understanding. He was a real warrior. And if you, if you can settle that question right from the start, then we are good. Puts me in, in gear. Are you for me or are you against me? And once he got to figuring out who he was talking to, he quickly humbled himself and got down on his knees and worshipped, didn't he? Got to that place. This is a good, I am glad that you are here. I will worship. What do we do when we recognize the presence of God? How do we respond to his presence? The shepherds knew Luke chapter 2, we are told. They knew. They too were amazed at this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. This baby that was going to be born. This king that was about to be born. There were lots of rejoicing. There were lots of celebration. There were lots of joy. history of the world was about to be changed. Everything was going to be different from that time on. Isn't it amazing 
how this baby boy came into our world, came into our lives, and completely turned things around. There are those who do not, they claim to do not know Jesus Christ, or they claim to not believe in him. But yet still, most things as I understand it, even in the secular world as we, um, we would, revolves around him. In my home country, I was sharing the other day that everything revolves around Christmas. If you're going to get a new home, you want to buy it in time for Christmas. If you're going to get a new car, you want it to be in time for Christmas. If you're going to get a new carpet in the home, it's going to be in time for Christmas. Everything revolves around Christmas. How can we not see and begin to believe that he re- demands a position of prominence in our hearts not only in the things that we do but he requires a prominent position in our hearts everything we do revolves around the, the calendar time of Christmas you're going to paint the home Oh, we're going to do it in time for Christmas. That's the position of prominence that he occupies even in the secular realm. I am told that most of the businesses make more money at Christmas time than any other season of the year. At least if that is not true in the United States, it is certainly true in Guyana, where I'm from. I am getting ready to go back into a what you would call here a bumper-to-bumper traffic. And I cannot walk from here to there without bumping into a whole host of people. That is how crazy the streets are right now. But all of that, I see it, and I'm amazed and sometimes saddened. Because all of this is being done without the recognition of whose birthday we are really celebrating. We must remember that too. That it is not our birthday. It is his birthday we are celebrating. It is his. We are giving adoration and worship and honor and glory to And we are grateful because the Bible says, in that while we were yet sinners, he died for me. But before he could have died, he had to be born. And he did all of it just for me. He did all of it just for you. That demands a certain response. The wise men, they knew. These are all people that knew. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. They knew. 
their response was a different one too. Their response was a different one. How are we responding? We too know of him. We too. There was another man whose name was Simeon. He knew. And it was told to him that he would not see death until he saw him. Isn't that a privileged position? What an awesome position to be in. Just like Elizabeth, who couldn't give birth to Jesus. Couldn't give birth before Jesus' time had come. Also Simeon, he couldn't die before he had that opportunity to see this baby who was called Jesus. I remember being sick one year. Being alone in the home around probably 2 a.m. in the morning and lying on the floor of the toilet bathroom area feeling as if this was going to be my last. And I begin to say to the Lord, because of what you have promised me, this cannot be my last. Because of all that you have promised me, you have promised me. And I know it is you who have promised me in this. Even though I feel, I feel like if this is my end, the only thing I have to hold on to, because everything in me, I can feel the life being drained. And the only thing I have left to hold on to is what you have said to me. That I will accomplish this in your name. And I can tell you what, Jesus, I know I haven't done it yet. It's an awesome thing to be able to stand on the promises of God. And to know that there are things in your life that will come to pass at some point. And sometimes it doesn't always seem as if that they are going to come to pass. Sometimes it seems as if we are going to be gone before anything ever happens. Elizabeth thought so, that she was not going to have a child. But she did. And I believe that there are things in our lives that are waiting on the fulfillment of some other things to take place, to happen before those that are supposed to happen can happen. Let us wait patiently, perseveringly. Let us wait on the Lord. Let us wait on God. The scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord. Their strength shall be renewed. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They run and not weary. But we have to wait. I know we are living in a society that is very fast-paced. Everything is almost instant. Believe you me, I, it blew my mind when I learned that there was something called instant egg. There's so much instant that 
exist today. Everything is moving at a fast pace. And sometimes we want to, as Christians, our lives to somehow be in that fast lane. But our, 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 our character can only be built up through periods of waiting and toiling. And sometimes some hardships and some trials that we are not going to want to have, but once we've had them and we, are, we remain faithful, we are going to be better for what's ahead. We are going to be far better equipped for what is ahead. So how do these people respond? How did Zachariah respond? Is that how we are responding? How did the shepherds respond? How did Mary respond? How did Joseph respond to this good news? The wise men gave one of my favorite, along with Mary's response. The Bible says that they went and they found him and they worshipped let us remember to worship during this Christmas season. Let us remember they brought gifts. What is our gift to the Lord Jesus Christ? I know we're going to be sharing lots of gifts, exchanging one towards the other. We're going to be exchanging gifts. But perhaps we can think about something that we want to give to the Lord. Scripture tells us that we only love him because he first loved us anyway. What kind of gift can we give to this giver of the best gifts? What gift can we bring to him in this season as we head towards Christmas Day? One of my favorite verses is taken out of Romans. Where the author says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that we present ourselves as living sacrifices, totally acceptable unto him which is our reasonable service. No longer is he looking for a dead sacrifice. And we can present ourselves as living gifts to him. In everything that we do, in everything that we say, be mindful that our life is a gift back to Him. And if you do that, I can guarantee you, because I am my own testimony. I am a witness. I have experienced His goodness and His grace and His mercy and His love and His provision. And if we give our lives back to Him, it will be one of the best, it will be the best decisions that we'll ever, we will have ever made. I encourage you to respond like the wise men who worship Him. I encourage you to respond like Mary who says, Here am I in this season. Could we do that right now? And just for a moment or two, bow our heads and maybe thank Him. And worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. Father, I worship You. 
We worship you. We praise you. We thank you, O oh God. We thank you for the gift of Jesus, Savior of the world, Savior of our lives. Even we, though we didn't deserve it, Lord, you, you gave him to us anyway because of your love towards us. The scripture says that your love reaches to the heavens, to the clouds. So great is your love towards us. And Father, we are grateful. We are grateful. We are grateful. We are grateful. We are thankful, O oh God, for such a gift as Jesus. Help us, O oh God, to be able to give back to you. We can't match the gift that you have given to us. But help us. Help us. As we present ourselves tonight, this is all that we have. And with all that we have, we surrender it back to you yet another time. Pray, O oh God, that as we go through the season, that we'll be overwhelmed with your love. Not only will we be overwhelmed with your love, but Lord, you would help us to share the love of Christmas. And everyone who comes into contact with us will know the reason for the season. Will know, oh God, that you loved us and we love you in return. We thank you for helping us. I pray that you just have your way in our hearts and in our lives. Bless each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you.